God, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father God, we are so thankful, so thankful that you placed on our hearts to be here this morning. For those who are in worship, for those who are tuning in virtually, Father, we ask you to place a blessing on their life so awesome that they can't help but to look at you and say, thank you, God. Father, we ask that you be in this place, Father, that you crown my head with knowledge and wisdom beyond my years to impart a word that may bless somebody. We thank you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask these many blessings. Amen. Oh, y'all have done my spirit good this morning. Praise team. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the musicians, for our media team, for our, for our musicians. I'm so full. I don't know about you, but I'm full already. So y'all pray for me that I get through this and just continue to pour out what God has placed on my heart for you this morning. Before I get started, I have to thank our pastors, our senior leader, Pastor Terrence Autry and Pastor Lisa Autry for their leadership and for thinking so much of me to, to give me the opportunity to stand in the gap. You know, when you, when you leave town and you, and you leave your, your flock, you got to think something about somebody to ask them to, to, to be in this awesome position. So I'm just so grateful uh, for the opportunity to stand and proclaim God's word and what he's placed on my heart. If you will, if you have your e-Bibles, meet me in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, around verse 6 and 7, we're going to take our reference scriptures. Second Timothy, the first chapter, verses 6 and 7, and the word reads, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to speak from a topic this morning. Let him use you. Let him use you. In this passage of scripture, the apostle Paul writes to his mentee, his son in ministry, Timothy. And he writes this book as an exhortation and encouragement because of the challenges that Timothy was facing in his assignment, which was to be the senior and lead minister of the gospel at the church at Ephesus. And one of the reasons that he was struggling is that coming behind a great leader like Paul is an awesome task. It's big shoes to fill. Now, Paul, what we can read about him, Paul is an awesome, awesome servant of the Lord. Paul established the church at Ephesus through his missionary journeys, and it is attributed to at least 14 churches that Paul planted on his missionary journeys. And the church at Ephesus was one of the biggest and most high profile of these churches that he established. Now, the church at Ephesus, um, at this particular time, had just really, really grown fast. And Paul, being a charismatic leader 
a charismatic speaker, was very experienced in going to a place where Christianity or followers of Christ, no followers of Christ, and setting up shop, preaching the word through revivals. I don't know how many of y'all grew up like I grew up, and you remember revivals where you would go and you would have church all week, all evening, right? Sometimes we would set up um, the worship service on the parking lot or in a park and put speakers up so everybody in the neighborhood can hear the gospel, right? And people would just come and be attracted and just sit and hear the word. That's how Paul established his churches in the church at Ephesus. Now, Ephesus as a city was the center of pagan worship. So Paul, being a charismatic speaker, attracted some of everybody into this church. There were people who grew up and were taught by the Greeks, and they still believed in Greek gods that they attributed certain sins and abilities to. So they were attracted to the body of Christ. There were other people and leaders that were attracted to the body that were still of the pharisaical doctrine that emphasize rules and regulations over a relationship with God. So the church had grown, and you have a lot of everything here. Uh, another th reason why Paul was very charismatic and persuasive in his message is because he had a compelling personal story. You see, Paul was the chief persecutor of Christians before his conversion. He was known as Saul from Tarsus. And so when he would go preach and speak, he had this compelling story that said, I was the chief of sinners. I used to go seek and destroy and want to kill Christians, but because of the Holy Spirit in my life, come on somebody, because of the Holy Spirit in my life, he had been converted and awakened. And now he took those leadership skills, those speaking skills, his passionate ability to persuade people, and he's now using it for the call of Christ, letting God use him in this capacity. So you can imagine that coming behind a powerful leader like Paul, here's Timothy. Now, Timothy is not as experienced as Paul is. Timothy is a young minister, and he was raised, you could say he was raised in the church, mentored in the church. So he didn't necessarily have that compelling story that persuaded people like Paul did. He also wasn't as experienced in preaching the word like Paul would go in whole month-long revivals to build the church. So here is Timothy in a situation where he might feel inferior, overwhelmed, and in some cases, unworthy of the calling that he finds himself in. Now, I don't know how many of us can relate to Timothy this morning. How many of you have ever had a vision that was so big and so awesome of something that you would do? But when you started down the path, you became a little bit overwhelmed when you found out what it's going to take from you to accomplish that thing. I don't know how many of you have had somebody speak something into your life because they see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And that because they speak it into your life, it's hard for you to see it in yourself. And so when you step forward to do something, 
there's those feelings of uncertainty. There's a lack of confidence that you can actually do the things that someone spoke into your life. I don't know about you this morning, but there's a call on your life. There's something that God placed you here to do that no one else can do. There's something that God expects of you that when we leave this earth, that we build something, create something, leave a legacy that was not here before you were born. God is calling you to let him use you to build this kingdom here on earth. There's something that only you can do that he's equipped you for. And we can learn from Timothy because being young and experienced, it can be quite overwhelming when we start down that path to doing something. And we can't be timid about it. We have to be bold in our calling. We have to be bold when we step forward to do that thing that God has placed in us. Because here's, here's, here's some clarity on this. If God gave you a vision, it only exists in you. And if you come forward to do it, there's no other way than to bump your head, stub your toe. You got to slop it up before you get better at that thing. My grandfather, Richard Lee Jackson Sr., called him Pawpaw. Pawpaw said, ain't no crash course for experience. You got to get in that thing, and you got to get comfortable with what you've been called to do. And I believe that's where Timothy is at this moment, he faces a choice. Do you lean into this thing or do you freeze and let fear take control? And Timothy, and Paul is reminding us in this passage of scripture, you have to get out of your comfort zone to let God use you. You, ought, you have all you need to succeed that's in you already. But you got to fan that gift into flame. You got to give it some oxygen. You got to step forward and let it go. He uses the analogy of a fire because when you step forward and you fan a flame, that fire gets bigger. When you fan a flame, the heat from the fire gets hotter and it spreads and more people can feel it. And that's our charge this morning with the gifts that you got. God is calling you to let him use you. God is imploring you to step forward and fan your gifts into flame. Whatever those gifts are, whatever vision that you have to serve in the kingdom, God is calling you forward to use those gifts. And your gifts don't come to you in full bloom. They come to you and they can only be developed when you step forward and get out of your comfort zone. When you struggle when you doubt yourself, but you continue on in that mission and your calling to use those gifts. And that's what he's calling us to this morning, to let him use us in the service of the kingdom. Paul is encouraging Timothy to not be frozen with fear, but to take action. To move in the direction of the calling and the vision that he sees. To put yourself in a position, Timothy, to let God use you. And in the scripture, Paul gives us three tools. When we feel overwhelmed, when we feel unworthy, 
when we're in a position where we have to make a decision and that fear besets us and we find ourselves freezing and making no decision. There are three tools that Paul gives us in the scripture that we use when we find ourselves in these moments. And we can find it in verse 7. He says he doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but he gives us three these three tools. He gives us the spirit of power. He gives us the spirit of love. And he gives us the spirit of a sound mind. And we're going to walk through the scripture here in this, this, passage, this passage in 2 Timothy 1 and 2 and learn how we can use these tools to let God use us to do his work in the kingdom. The first tool he gives us is the power, the spirit of power to not be overwhelmed when we start on the path to doing the will of God. You know, the hardest part of accomplishing anything is getting started. It's really hard to get started because, you know, you want to be good at something, but when you try to do it, you don't match up with the picture that you have in your head. Maybe, maybe it's just me, right? So you, you, you start out and you're just not very good at all, right? But if you keep on, you know, you're going to bump your head. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to embarrass yourself every now and again. But if you keep on, God will get the glory. He's, asked, he's just asking you to make yourself available to be that servant, to be that tool that he can use, that vessel that he can use to pour out on the people that you've intended to reach. Even when you're sure of your calling, even when you're confident in what you're there to do, sometimes you'll find yourself in a position where you don't know what to do. But the weapon, the tool that God gives us to use in those moments is the spirit of power. Now, here are three things that Timothy has been charged with that I believe over, makes him overwhelmed and some, in some ways a little bit unconfident about his ability to do. The first charge that Paul reminded Timothy that he is to do is to maintain and advance the gospel. Second Timothy chapter one, we find in 13 and 14, the word says, hold fast to the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. The good thing, which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's important because remember, this church was overgrown. It was, you had a lot of different backgrounds people who were new to the body of Christ. And if you don't have a leader to step forward, how many know a leader will fill that void? And the leaders that were filling that void, they were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching the things that they've known and they were bringing that now into the church and preaching that and mixing it with the gospel. And Paul was teaching Timothy, hey, there's a responsibility for you being in this senior minister position. You can't let this happen. You got to come and preach the gospel and preach it strong and push back on these things. And you got to maintain that gospel. And Timothy found himself in a position where he was uncertain about his ability to do that. The second charge that Timothy had was to develop leaders and add to the church. Second Timothy Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 reads, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, Timothy was young in ministry, and he doesn't have the experience that Paul had building leaders, attracting leaders, and equipping those leaders to build more leaders. Timothy hadn't done that. And so he's charged with stepping up and doing something that may be unfamiliar to you, doing something that might be intimidating because Timothy being a young leader, he has experienced leaders all around him. They may not be leaders in the word of God, but he's charging Timothy, you have to step up and be a leader because if you don't, there will be people who will come in and fill your void. Let him use you. And the third thing that he's charged with, 2 Timothy 2 and 16, is to rebuke false teaching. It reads, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. You ever heard that phrase, be careful what you ask for? You see, when you ask God for something, he will deliver it eventually. Be persistent in what you ask for. But when he delivers, you better be ready. You better strap strap yourself in because you're going to be in a position where you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? And Timothy's in this position. He's been anointed. He's been equipped to lead at the church of Ephesus. But he finds himself in a position like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know it was going to be like this. But the tool that is there for us to use to help overcome those feelings of overwhelm is the power of the word of God. You see, we got to empower ourselves. I love in scripture when we hear that David encouraged himself in the word of God. You see, we are God's vessels to pour out his spirit on the people we come in contact with, but you know, you got to have a little something in you to pour out, right? But the first person you got to pour out on is yourself. Before you come and deliver a word to somebody else, you've got to have some word in you to encourage yourself with. So when you're facing overwhelm, you've got to have some scriptures that you can speak over yourself. Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Pray always to the Lord and he will make your path straight. I don't know what your verses are, but these are some of the ones that do it for me. It's 1 John John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. You have to get the word in your spirit to empower yourself in those moments where you feel uncertain about yourself, where you're unsure what to do. You have to speak a word over yourself to keep yourself in the game and stay strong in this. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, all things work together for the good of those for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You got to get power in your spirit and that that power is in the word of God. And that's our first tool that we use to fight overwhelm, to keep going, to let God use you to accomplish what he needs to do in his kingdom. The second tool that he gives us is the spirit of love. And that spirit of love helps us overcome those times where we might feel unworthy of the calling that we've been assigned to. Now, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but there are times when I, when I step forward, when I've been asked to do things and there's those times where I don't feel very confident and worthy because, you know, I remember me. 
And there are plenty of people who remember me too. And they're not going to let you forget. You know, when, I, when they hear me speaking or when I'm on uh, YouTube or when I'm on certain things, there's people who say, man, you encourage me, this, that, and the other. But there's also some people that say, man, look at you. You remember when we was, you know, like I need that. I don't need that. But there's going to be people who are never going to let you forget. And there are times when you might feel unworthy of the calling that God has placed on your life. Now, Scripture is full of people, full of people who felt unworthy of the calling that God has placed on their life. If we look in the book of Exodus, in Moses, Moses is called over to a burning bush. And God speaks to Moses and said, I choose you. And your assignment, your purpose is to go to Egypt to speak to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go and lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. And I can't help but to, to smile when I read the exchange between Moses and God the, in the burning bush. Because that, that just sounds like something that I would say. Because God says, I choose you. This is your assignment. This is what I've equipped you to do. And the first thing that Moses asks is, man, who am I? Who am I to be going and doing this? Like, there's got to be somebody else that you can choose. And what does God tell him? You are my chosen vessel. If we ever find ourselves in a position where we're asking that question, if we're honest, we can ask that question. Who am I to think that I can do that? God is going to answer you. You are my chosen vessel. I place that vision in you. Nobody else has that vision. And if you don't do it, if you don't do it, it ain't like God can't do it by itself. Because we just read in all things, all things, God will get the praise. All things will work together to do his will. But God chose you. Moses then asked him, he says, well, what? They don't listen to me. God showed him miracles. He showed him signs that let him know, listen, you are my chosen vessel. It's not that I can't do it without you, but I choose you to do it. I just need you to make yourself available for me to use you to allow this to be accomplished through that. And he showed him some signs. He said, Moses, throw the stick on the ground. Moses throws a stick on the ground. It turns into a snake. Moses says, oh, my goodness, look at this. He said, pick the snake up by the tail. I don't know about you, but I probably would not have done that. But Moses, I'm sure, comes over, overcomes something in himself grabs the snake by the tail, turns back into a stick. He said, Moses, stick your hand in your cloak. He sticks his hand in his cloak, pulls it out. It's all diseased and mangled like a leper. He said, stick your hand back in your cloak. He sticks his hand back in his cloak, pulls it out. It's a normal hand again. Now, maybe that's enough for somebody to say, I'm with it, God. If you're showing me these things, I'm with it. Now, Moses, Moses still said, look, man, I can't talk. You know I can't talk to you. You're picking somebody who got a speech impediment to go talk to me. And what does the scripture say? It says God's anger burned against him. <laughs> he said God is getting impatient with Moses. And he finally says, Moses, I'm sending your brother with you. Okay? You're out of excuses. Let's get this thing going. And it's the same relationship that God has with us. How many times? Has he placed something on your heart, but you've given yourself excuses not to do it? How many times has someone 
ask you because they see something in you. They ask you to do something, but you don't step forward and do it. Now, why is that? I don't know. Only you can answer that for yourself. But the relationship is the same. God is asking and he's calling you to let him use you. It's not that he can't accomplish this on his own, but God is calling you to do something because he sees something in you that you may not see in yourself, and he's speaking that in you to people around you. Now, Les Brown, uh, the great motivator, Les Brown, I have, uh, I've, I've been privileged to have a relationship with Les Brown and uh, recently, and being a speaker and, and being at different events, um, I, I call him Uncle Les, and uh, he asked me to send me, he asked me to send him one of my books, and I have. So I have, a, I have just, just, just great affection for Les Brown and his teachings. But he says something that's very powerful that I think relates to this particular point, and I think all of us can relate. He says, it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. People constantly tell you of your greatness. They constantly tell you of what they see in you, your talents, your gifts. But the challenge is that we're so close to us, to our gifts, that we don't take them as being anything special. So you've always been able to sing. You've always had this sixth sense about people and that emotional intelligence to be able to listen. And that's why people come to you and tell you things. You've always had this intuitive nature to get out and lead and to do things when you see nobody is doing it. You've always had that, but you don't think there's anything special about it. But that's a gift of God that he's giving you and everybody else sees it. And when they see it, they come to you to use that gift. Let God use you. When you have ministers, when you have ministry leaders, when you're here in, in worship and you see there's, there's something to be done, Step forward and do it. I promise you ain't a long line. God is simply calling you to something that he's already equipped you with. And what he needs you to do is to get to a place of worthiness. Because long as we have those feelings of unworthiness, that causes fear and that causes us to freeze. But if you're being called to it, it's because God loves you and he sees you as a strong tool, a strong vessel that he can be used, that you can be used in the service of his kingdom. When we're new at something, it's easy for us to feel unworthy of the calling. But it's not just for people who are new to something. Even when you're very experienced, you can have those same feelings of fear and unworthiness. I was listening to Viola Davis, um, Oscar-winning actress. You know, she went to Juilliard with Meryl Streep back in the day. She is qualified. She is as talented as any other actress out there. And she mentioned that it's been later on in her career that she's now getting the respect and the accolades and people are recognizing her talent. And she says, you know, the one thing that I struggle with is imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is that feeling that you have 
that even though you're accomplished, even though that you should, everything about you says that you should have high confidence about the things that you do. When you step forward to do something, it's like being brand new all over again. Because once you have success in something, the question continues to pop up in your head, now what? Can you do it again? Now what? Now you had people helping you then, but what about now? There are feelings that even when we are accomplished, we can feel sense of unworthiness that causes fear in us, that causes us to freeze and not allow God to use you. But he gives us the spirit of love. And that spirit of love, we don't have to do anything for. What we have to do is accept it. We have to accept that God feels the way he does about us. We have to accept that despite who we've been in our past, the things that you've done, the mistakes that you made, that God still sees you as his precious creation, a strong vessel that you can use because it's your experience, it is your mess-ups and screw-ups that will speak to somebody out there that can lead them to a relationship with God. You see, there's somebody that you're intended to reach that my message cannot reach. There is somebody that you're intended to serve, a place that you're specifically intended to work in the kingdom that no one else can feel. You see, I don't have to be Pastor Audrey. It can be intimidating coming behind an experienced speaker and leader like Pastor Autry when he stands, when he asks me to stand in the gap here. But I just accept that love of God to just be myself. And that's what he's telling each of us to do. To know that you are worthy, to know that you are enough, to know that you are powerful, to know that you are whole, to know that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, God can use you in a powerful way to reach somebody and accomplish what he needs done in his kingdom. All we need to do is accept his love. And then the last tool that he gives us, he gives us the spirit of power through his word to allow us to stay in the game, to allow us to keep pushing beyond that self-doubt, that overwhelm that we might feel. He gives us the spirit of love just simply to accept the anointing that he has on our life, to believe in your gifts and your talents, no matter what anybody tells you, no matter how many folk remember what you used to do, you feel worthy that God has blessed you and anointed you with a purpose that is so powerful that there is something that you are there to do that no one else can do. Just accept that love and step forward and let him use you. And the third gift the third tool that he's given us is the spirit of a sound mind. To fulfill our assignment, we must continually be filled by the power of God. And we must make sound-minded decisions based on faith instead of fear. Timothy struggled with his self-confidence. He was timid and he was hesitant to do the things that Paul charged him with because of his youth and experience. But Paul urged him to do it anyway. Because when it really comes down to it, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice 
on whether or not we will allow God to use us and to overcome ourselves and allow ourselves to die and let God increase in our lives in order to do that. And we many times, I believe, underestimate the power of our choices. Um, I love gardening. I, I, I plant flowers every, every spring and grow them throughout the year. Um, my wife loves flowers. So I got this from my grandfather, Paul Paul Jackson, who had a green thumb. And I, I, just, I, I, I value it so much because I teach my daughters some of the things that I learned working with my grandfather in the yard. And when you plant flowers, you get bees, right? You get butterflies, but you also get bees. And so when my, my daughters were younger, they would go in the yard with me to, to prune the flowers and to water the flowers, but they were afraid of the bees. And what I learned from my granddaddy when I was their age, because he had rose bushes and all these things and bees would be swarming around, and I would always be amazed at how my granddaddy would just be out there with the bees. And I was definitely afraid. And he told me, he said, don't be afraid of the bees. If you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. And he said this, that I passed along to my daughters. He says, the bees are just doing what God designed them to do. Now, fast forward 20 years, but that's how I've lost my fear of bees. And I passed that on to my daughters. And I don't know if they, Kim, I don't know if they, they still afraid of bees, but they don't come out as much with me anymore to work in the yard. But I lost my fear of bees. Now, fast forward 20 years, there was an animated movie called A Bee Story. Now, I don't know if you, you, this movie is a little old now, but The Bee Story really spoke to my spirit because there was, in this movie, um, a, the main character was called Barry Bee. And at the beginning of the movie, you know, the purpose of bees are to pollinate other flowers. They fly from flower to flower, and as a result, they take pollen from one, and they take it to other plants and flowers, crops, food, grass. And this is the design nature of uh, the grand design of nature that God has purposed them to do. That's how he uses bees. So in this movie, Barry B, because it's a movie, He's like, I'm not so sure I want to do this. I don't know if I want to stay in the hive and make honey. I don't know if I want to leave the hive and go to flowers and pollinate flowers. So he was undecisive about how he wanted to be used. And so he said, before I make a decision, I'm going to leave the hive. And when he leaves the hive, he goes and finds out. He's like, man, this is amazing. The bees are flying around. He sees the pretty flowers and all these things. But when he leaves the hive, he also finds out that humans are cutting the flowers and selling them. He finds out that the honey that they're making, humans are taking the honey and making billions of dollars off of the honey. And he says, this ain't right. He says, no, this is not right. We can't let you make honey. This is the bees' work. This is our work. And you are taking advantage of the bees. You're taking our products that we sell, that we work hard every single day to do, and you're making billions of dollars? Unfair. Barry B. takes humans to court. He takes these companies to court and wins. And as a result of the bee winning the suit against these companies, now bees don't have to make honey no more. Now bees don't have to go every day fly around and, and, and cross-pollinate the flowers and the crops. 
And so they're celebrating. Barry, you're a hero. We didn't know that we was being taken advantage of. And after time, because the bees are no longer fulfilling their purpose, now you see the park that was once green with grass and flowers and trees is now brown and everything is dying. The price of food skyrockets because now to grow the crops more efficiently because bees aren't working, pollinating the crops, they have to figure out artificial ways to grow their crops. The flower shops go out of business now because flowers aren't growing and it's no longer profitable to grow and raise flowers. I want to stop there because I think that speaks to us in the fact that if we don't fulfill our calling, something is wrong in the world. There are people that you're intended to reach that won't be reached. There are souls that need to be saved that won't be saved. There are lessons that need to be taught that won't be taught or learned. But here's the kicker. Eventually, Barry saves the day. He says, okay, I see the word, the, the bad that happened. He goes and figures everything out. He corrects it. The bees get happy. They go back to work. The flowers start growing again. The price of food goes down. You can sell flowers all over again. It's a Disney movie. That's what happens, right? But here's the kicker that I learned. And that think that speaks to us. Bees don't have the power of choice. No other creature on the face of the earth has a choice of the calling that they will fulfill. The only creatures that God created on earth that have the power of choice to do or not do are me and you. You see, bees going to do what the bees do. And if we leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. But God is bothering us this morning, and he will not leave you alone because he needs you to fulfill your calling. He's asking you to step forward and make a choice. Because when you make the choice to do it, you create power in the universe that something has got to move. When you create a choice to step forward and say, here I am, God, use me. God says, you ain't got to be all figured it out. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be skilled. I will work through you and my will will be done regardless. You, we're asking you this morning, God is imploring you and stirring up in your spirit to let him use you. Because if you let God use you, no matter how smart you are or how inferior you feel to your calling, Somebody will be blessed. Somebody needs to feel change in their life, and he, you are God's vessel to allow him to create that change in the world. You are God's vessel that somebody needs to hear a word. Somebody needs increase in their life. Somebody needs to have their heart pricked based on your story, based on your testimony. Somebody needs to, let, to get set free as a result of you coming in their life. Somebody needs to move from feeling unworthy to feeling worthy to accepting God's love. And all God is asking you to do this morning is to let me use you. Let me use your story. Let me use your testimony. Let me use your presence. But we have to make the choice to step forward and let God use us. How many this morning know that there's something that God has placed on your heart? that there's somebody 
that he's placed on your heart, that he's given you somebody and something to go out and plant a seed. And he doesn't need you to be the gardener to raise it. He just needs you to do the planting because he will get the increase. He will get the glory. And that's why we're here this morning, to let him use us, to let him use us as his vessel to deliver a word, to deliver grace, to deliver mercy. And in the text, Paul is encouraging Timothy to just let him use you. Even though you may feel overwhelmed, even though you might not feel confident in your ability to do it, even though you might feel at times unworthy, don't compare yourself to anybody else. God has given you all you need to succeed. If we remember the tools of power in his word, accepting his love, and having a sound mind that every time we feel those, those moments where we're not sure, just move forward in faith and allow him to work in your life and work in the kingdom. Father God, thank you for this morning, for showing up and showing out. Thank you for, for being the spirit in which we're reaching somebody, Father. We pray that a word has gone out, that hearts and minds have been changed, that people have been inspired that, Father, you fill them with your spirit and that you get the glory, that you bring the increase to the kingdom, Father God. We love you and we honor you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and we ask these many blessings. Amen.